Welcome to The Flight Deck, a leading-edge podcast. I'm First Officer Dewey Duhadwa, your host for this episode. I'm here with Captain Fred Green and Captain Drew Manarsik. Welcome, Fred and Drew. Fred, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What your, is your history? What do you fly with United? And what's your history of volunteering with ALPA? Yeah, thanks, Dewey. I'm Fred Green. I'm a Los Angeles-based 737 captain. I've also been involved with the Retirement Insurance Committee, for about 14 years, uh, the last 12 years as the chairman of the committee. Excellent. And uh, Drew, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well and tell us where you're, uh, what your history is, what you fly, and what, how you're currently serving the MEC? I'm Drew Minarsik. I am a Houston-based 737 captain. I'm currently the MEC treasurer, uh, but uh, before this, I served on the Retirement Insurance Committee for about 12 years and uh, was uh, focusing on the LTD Admin Committee uh, initially and then got involved with all investment things. Thanks, Drew. And obviously, that's a lot of experience between the two of you on these sorts of matters. And I think today's focus of our podcast discussion between the two of you experts in this area will revolve around what we're calling the market-based cash balance plan, if I've got that correct. So, Fred, can you tell us a little bit more about the about this plan and what this uh, is all about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think what we're trying to do with the market-based cash balance plan is really save tax efficiently for retirement. Um, and, I, and maybe I'll kick this over to you, Drew. So like big picture, how will contributions come in, be invested, and then you know, come out? Or how like from a tax standpoint, when we talk about this cash balance plan? Sure, thanks, Fred. So this plan is really uh, intended to be a secondary plan after your PRAP. Your PRAP is still your primary retirement savings vehicle. Any money that can't go into that plan due to IRS limits will spill to the market-based cash balance plan um, by choice if you don't want it in the retiree health account. That money goes in tax-free, it grows tax-free, but it comes out, it's tax-deferred, so it comes out as taxable uh, income when you take it out of the plan, unless you're rolling it over into a other retirement vehicle. So when you say rolling it over, so you could just take that money and when you retire, just move it to either your PRAP or let's say an IRA, you don't have to cash it out? That's correct, and you maintain the uh, the uh, tax efficiencies by putting it in those accounts. So when we talk about contributing to this plan, I think some pilots want to know, like, how is money actually going to get in there? And we talked about this spill. So maybe we could just talk briefly on the company contributions, whether that's 16% or 17% next year or 18% in 2026 for your PRAP. When those limits are hit, how that money rolls over to the cash balance plan. So maybe just briefly, what are those limits? when you hit those and the money starts flowing over to this cash balance plan? Yeah, so there's two primary limits. There's the 415C limit, which is uh, $66,000 uh, in uh, 2023. Um, if you are eligible for catch-up, which is if you're 50 or older, it's 73500 Or the 401A17 limit, which is also the compensation limit. So if you make over $330,000 in 2023, you those are the limits uh, for the PRAP. So if you hit either one of those limits, your 16 or 70 percent company contribution will spill into the cash balance plan if you've chosen for your spill to go there. Your personal contributions will shut off, and that'll just come as taxable income at that point. Great. So let's just review that real quickly. So if I start making more than $330,000 this year, then my 16 percent is not legally allowed to go into the PRAP, and therefore it has to go today, it goes to the RHA. But what we're proposing with this contract is that you will have the choice of that spill 
that 16% this year, 17% next year, which can't go into the PRAP, will either go into that cash balance plan at that point or into the RHA. That's kind That's of correct. Right. And then then other limit, the you know, 415C, the 66,000 or the 73.5, same thing. Once all your contributions, whether that's your voluntary or the company contributions or even like forfeited vacation, when all of that gets to that amount, that 66,000 or 73.5, then no more 16% is allowed to go into the plan. And then that spills as well. I mean, that's what you're getting at, right? Absolutely correct. Right. So, you know, when we did the UPA, you know, we didn't expect too many pilots to hit those limits, and we set up this retiree health account, right? The benefit of that retiree health account was that it's all tax-free, but one of the problems with that is that it can only be used for medical reimbursements, right? That's correct, and and it's not uh, willable uh, to an estate. So the, even though it's a very tax-efficient because it goes in tax-free, grows tax-free, and spent tax-free, uh, the the limits on what you can do with that money um, with can be problematic if you have a lot of money in there. So we wanted another vehicle um, that was usable for pilots. Excellent. All right. So we're going to give those pilots a choice, right? One, the RHA, which is all tax-free, but with the limit of, hey, it can't go to your estate, and it can only be used for medical purposes as one choice, which could be a good option for some people. Other people that don't want that plan or they have too much money in there, they're going to have that option to go to the cash balance plan when we get this thing up and running, right? Correct. And this is the best vehicle we could find to achieve those goals. So let's talk about contributions. We talked about the PRAP has a limit of this $70,000 and then it's got this $330,000 limit that, you know, you can't get money in there. There's all these two limits we can talk more about in another podcast maybe. But what about the cash balance plan and the RHA? What kind of limits do they have on money coming in? Like, when's that going to get shut off? So for the retiree health account, there is no limit. You can put as much money as you want into there. As far as the cash balance plan, there's no annual contribution limit like we see in the PRAP. There is a benefit limit, uh, which is equivalent to an annuity of $265,000 or a lump sum of about $3 million. So because this isn't the primary savings vehicle, we don't anticipate that pilots are going to come close to hitting those limits in, that are in that plan. So, so let's give an example. Maybe uh, I would say it's far-fetched, but it's really not far-fetched. So, you know, in 2026, pilots are going to get 18% of their flight earnings into the PRAP, right? So if a pilot made $500,000, let's say he's a senior wide-body captain, you know, 18% of $500,000, that's $90,000 of retirement contributions. Let's say that same pilot makes his own elective voluntary contributions of 30,000. That's $120,000 trying to go to retirement accounts. And let's say he forfeited vacation or she did because they had to do some training of another $30,000. That's $150,000 trying to go into retirement account plans. So what you're saying is that the pilot could get like 73500 into the PRAP, and then the remainder of that 150 would just go to the cash balance plan if they elected that? Yeah, that's correct. Right, so there's no limit on, hey, that'd be too much money for that year? Nope, not at all. Oh, great. Right, so let's just back up two steps. We talked about that in the beginning, this cash balance plan is a defined benefit plan. And, you know, I guess that interplay between the PRAP which is what's called a defined contribution plan. And this plan, defined benefit plan, is how we're going to get all that a big amount of savings. Now, the Legacy United pilots and Legacy Cal pilots had a really bad experience at a certain level 
with those defined benefit plans. Are these plans different than those? Yeah, these plans are uh, definitely different than the traditional defined benefit plans of the past. These market-based cash balance plans, although they are defined benefit plans, they won't terminate like the previous plans uh, did before because these are funded by the money that comes in and they will track with the market. So we're not going to have any of the underfunding issues like we had of the past. Great, great. So so in a certain level, you can almost say these are much more comparable to 401k plans, except that one of the big issues is going to be who's investing the money. That's correct, Fred, because in a defined benefit plan, the the participant cannot control their own investments. So there will be a corporate investment policy that is set by an investment committee. So at a certain level, you could say this is more like a 401k plan, even though it's a defined benefit plan, it's going to function much like that. Absolutely correct. So when we talk about investments, you know, one of the things is it's not going to be self-directed. The pilot's not going to be able to make their own investment elections. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how the negotiations went and how, you know, at the end, how the investments are going to be structured for this kind of uh, market-based cash balance plan. Yeah, so it, that was an interesting negotiation, Fred, because the there is some risk to the company as far as they will need to put in a little bit more money if the investments drop significantly for a participant. And that's called the capital pr- preservation rule. So the company wants a somewhat conservative investment policy. So where we landed is that at least 30% uh, of the investments should be targeted to equities. There's a quarter of uh, 20 to 40% equities that it can swing between, but the target is 30%. So we wanted that. So there was definitely some good equity exposure, but we had, the company also had some interest in keeping it a little more conservative. So we landed on a 30% target for equities. Right. So 30% equities, that's quite a bit less than I think a lot of pilots would want in this type of plan. So maybe we could talk about that that's just going to be what it is. Um, how can pilots, you know, mitigate that issue? You know, maybe looking at their PRAP and maybe their own investments outside the PRAP as a holistic plan? Is that something they should be thinking about then maybe to mitigate that lower equity amount in this plan? Yeah, we absolutely recommend looking at your whole retirement portfolio as a whole. And you can maybe take uh, a little bit more risk somewhere else if you chose to, to offset the conservative investments in the market-based cash balance plan. So like as an example, I want it to be 80% equities and let's say 20% bonds. You know, maybe in a perfect world, I'd have 80% equities in the PRAP and 80% equities in the cash balance plan, but we know that's not going to happen. So maybe a way to do that is be like maybe 85% in the PRAP and then you would just be what it is in the cash balance plan. And, And hopefully together, when you take both those accounts, then you're at 80%. And you pilots are going to have to just do a little bit of that math to make that work. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, that's correct. You look at it on, on a holistic level, not just on a plan level. You know, another thing that we can talk about is if you a pilot um, has the ability to withdraw this money, not necessarily at retirement, but at age 59 and a half. So could you just speak to any restrictions on that? I think you touched on this preservation of capital, but can the pilot take out the money and maybe roll it to somewhere else at that age? Yeah, absolutely. So as long as they're above preservation of capital, meaning as much money has gone into the plan is still in there to take out, at 59 and a half, they can pull that out and they can roll that into their PRAP 
or an IRA, and then they can invest it however they want. So at that point, they don't have to be worried about the conservative nature of the investments if that's a concern of theirs. Right. So if a 50-year-old pilot's thinking, I'm going to have to be at this lower equity exposure for 15 years, maybe that's not really how they should be looking at it. Maybe they should be looking at it, hey, I only have to be at that lower ex- equity exposure for nine and a half years for that age 50 pilot, because at 59 and a half, they can really take uh, control of their investments at that point. Absolutely. And and then the other benefit is that as long as they're still above preservation capital, they're going to be able to roll that out uh, no less than annually. So they can do it at 59 and a half, 60 and a half, um, or maybe even more often if we uh, can get uh, there administratively. So after that first withdrawal is what you're saying, hey, every year you can just take that money out. So it's not going to be in that lower equity exposure year after year. It's like it's going to be every year you're just going to take that money out after age 59 and a half. Correct. Excellent. Excellent. I guess the last thing I'll point on that preservation of capital is that, hey, if I take my money out at 59 and a half and I had a bunch of buffer, so like maybe I made 5% of my money all those years, you know, that next year when I start making deposits in again, um, does that capital preservation, is it required for just that one year to be positive or does it take into account all my history that I've had? to the entire time I've made deposits. Yeah, all of your history. So that'll carry over. So you have that preservation capital buffer that carries in so that you're not going to have issues in the future. Excellent. So, and this plan is going to be um, somewhat similar to the PRAP, I'm hoping, or somewhat similar to the RHA, that you're going to have a, a website, whether that's at Schwab or somewhere else, to view your balance and see how the contributions come in and see how the investments are performing. Is that something that's going to be, um, you know, part of this plan? Yeah, we definitely want pilots to have that transparency into what's in their account. Excellent. You know, the one thing we do want to touch on, pilots will see, is this 70 basis points for the first five years of the plan. And, and that was, you know, one of the harder parts of our negotiations. And maybe you could speak to, you know, that fee as sort of a drag, which let's be full transparent about that, and how that's going to play out for pilots and when that might be reduced. So that that fee is to help uh, with pre- preservation capital, with administrative fees, uh, all those things, and that's to to fund those uh, those liabilities. And as that uh, fee uh, is collected, it will grow. And if we get to one uh, percent of of uh, plan assets, then that fee can drop to twenty five basis points. So that fee will be less uh, than the seventy, um, so less of a drag, but still needs to fund uh, the administrative fees and on- any ongoing fees within the plan. Excellent. You know, one thing I do want to touch on is that I know when we did the uh, the failed TA, there was talk that there might be some issues with the IRS getting this cash balance plan approved. You know, I think we've talked with consultants regarding this plan. We've watched the the Delta pilots with their plan. Do you foresee anything in this cash balance plan that would the IRS would push back on or would be a, an impediment to getting this up and running? The only thing that I could see could be um, a potential concern for the IRS is the being selecting the RHA or the cash balance plan. So we have a backup plan where a certain percentage potentially could go to the RHA and another percentage could go to the market-based cash balance plan. But that's a small thing that we think the IRS um, will hopefully just accept our choice. Uh, But if they push back, we have uh, an idea. As to the whole plan, uh, our consultants tell us that the IRS doesn't come back and say, nope, you can't do it. This isn't going to happen. Sorry. Uh, You've wasted a bunch of negotiating capital on this. They'll come back and say, 
it's a it's approved, but we need these tweaks, or we need you know we need you to look at these little things. So our expectation is it will be approved, uh, hopefully with within um, a year or a little more. Uh, but that you know if there's tweaks to be made, they'll be very minor. Excellent, Mike. Because I think you know we've had those conversations. It seems as though we're not creating a, a new wheel, like the wheel has already been invented. And um, there's nothing on our plan besides that one election you made, the election between the RHA and the cash balance plan, that our consultant says has they've done before, right? All that has been done, approved, and we don't foresee the, an issue with the IRS pushing back on this plan. Correct. We're not trailblazers on this plan. And unfortunately, another airline has gotten this plan, too, of very uh, similar style. Right. So I think the last thing we're going to touch on, we've, we've hit it a couple times, is this election. So, you know, when this plan gets up and running before that next year starts, so probably in the fall or maybe even December, we're going to have this election, right? And that election is going to be between either the RHA or the cash balance plan, right? And contractually, we have made that either black or white, right? It's going to be cash balance or it's going to be the RHA. I think one of the things we're going to look at is seeing whether we can make it, you know, 50-50 or 30-70. That one provision, I think our consultant hadn't done before, but from a history standpoint, we think that that is, you know, probably going to be acceptable to the IRS. Absolutely. And, and the, the thought there is we want to give pilots choice. You know, if, if a pilot really believes in the RHA for, as part of their plan, which, um, you know, many pilots do, then they can still utilize that and, and fund that. Uh, but then they can also switch to the funding the market-based cash balance plan and utilize that as well. So that's like an annual election. And that that election doesn't matter whether you're a new hire or you've been here for 30 years. You're going to have that election going forward pretty much on an annual basis. Correct. This is great. Thank you, Fred and Drew. This is really informative. I do have one follow-up question for you, Fred, and then a couple for Drew if you've got time to and you'll indulge me. Fred, you mentioned when we started a scenario by which a wide-body captain would be making a certain amount of money. Obviously, the the pilot group has grown a lot. We have a lot of more younger demographic now, and many pilots may not be making that level. So when, I know know, math matters here, so it's going to depend on the individual pilot, but at what point during someone's flying career are these things going to potentially come into play? Is it only when they're going to be a wide-body captain when would they start to hit these limits, in your opinion? When should a pilot start to be start to consider these options for spill and, and things like that? When does that happen? I think it's really going to affect pilots that are captains or wide-body first officers or even a pilot that is upgrading and has to forfeit vacation. I think all of those items, and, and maybe one last thing, is the pilot that makes a lot of voluntary contributions to their PRAP. All those items really start to go into the hopper and will eventually start to make people spill money from their PRAP, you know, that 16, 17, or 18%, and it will move into their, you know, either their election for their active HRA or RHA. Now, I know we've talked a lot about the RHA when we make this election, but just to reiterate that pilots that are enrolled in the United Medical Plan if they choose the active HRA or RHA, it's going to go to their active HRA, which is pilots can use it when they're active. And if they don't have United Medical Plan, if they choose the RHA, the money will go to the RHA when we talk about this RHA or cash balance plan election that we've mentioned before. No, that's helpful. And I think, as you implied, everybody's individual scenario matters a lot. So it may depend on what type of medical insurance they elect, where they are in their upgrade process, if they forfeit vacation. That's very helpful. And I think 
all pilots throughout our pilot group need to pay attention to this, maybe real, relatively early in their career than they might not might have thought that they needed to, and that's good. Drew, for you, you mentioned a couple of times about this notion of preservation of capital and the maintaining a preservation of capital level in the market-based plan. Can you elaborate on that a little bit in terms of, say, if I'm trying to make a withdrawal from this plan, say I'm 59 and a half, tell me more about that mar uh, preservation of capital impact. Does that mean I have to leave a certain amount that's in there or what's the impact? What do you mean by that? So Dewey, that's a great question. Capital preservation is a rule uh, within defined, uh, this type of defined benefit plan. And an example might help. So say, for example, $100,000 was contributed into the plan. If the market brought that down to $90,000 and a pilot went to take the money out, they cannot get less than $100,000 out of the plan. So if uh, they were retiring at 65 and they'd been in the plan for five years, then the company would have to make up that that ten thousand dollars. Go it at an earlier age if they go to age fifty nine and a half to take that money out. There's a rule within the plan that they would have to meet the preservation of capital. So if they had ninety thousand dollars, they would not be able to withdraw at that point. They would need to wait till the market returned to get them back up over what had been contributed originally. Okay, so maybe this question could be answered by either one of you. So we've talked a little bit about the seventy basis point fee for the market based cash balance plan. And is that for an individual account only, or have, what? can you help describe the trigger point at which that 70 basis point fee could be reduced at some point to the, I believe you said 25 basis points in the future? Yeah, so why don't I start, Drew, and then you can uh, jump in. So that 70 basis points, or 0.7%, is going to be applied to all the assets in the plan each year. And that fee will generate some money that's going to try to pay these expenses. Now, that fee is hopefully going to start building up a surplus. And once that surplus gets to 1% of the assets, then that fee will drop. So let's give an example. So let's say there's $100 million overall assets in the cash balance plan. Now, once that fee gets to be a surplus of a million dollars, you know, after it paid all the expenses and now that amount gets to be a million dollars, that's 1% of the 100 million. Then the fee would drop to 25 basis points or 0.25%. And, and that's how that's going to play. Now, I will say that after five years, no matter what the surplus of that fee pool is, the fees are going to drop to 50 basis points or 0.5%. And that's part of the contract as well. Okay, that's that's helpful. So everybody's going to pay a little bit when we get this thing started. And then if we build up enough of a reserve in that cushion, it'll drop to 0.25. Or if, if not, if enough time goes by, five years, I think you said, then it's going to drop to 0.5. So everybody's costs to operate this plan is going to be reduced in the future. But everybody's going to essentially contribute to get it off the ground. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay, great. Last just question, comment, when is the best time for our pilots to start thinking about investing? Well, I don't think it's ever too early, right? I think everyone should be having that on their, uh, on their radar. It's an important concept, and I think it's an important thing that you should uh, really focus on when you have some free time. Absolutely. I think uh, starting early um, is always a good plan. So we encourage our, our new pilots, our young pilots, to pay attention to these plans because they're complex, 
and we want them to understand uh, how they operate. You know, and one thing we talk about when you're looking at these investments, you know, one thing is when is this cash balance plan going to go live, right? We don't really have clarity on that, but I think we should just touch on that. You know, at, at the really best case scenario would probably be the fall of 2024, but most likely 2025. But I think that will be, you know, you know, described a little bit more in the implementation, but we don't have that clarity right now as we're talking. Yeah, because just like uh, we mentioned, these plans are complex. So they're complex to set up and uh, go through the approvals. So uh, write plan documents. So there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, you know, if this TA ratifies to get this plan off the ground. Now, this is great. And obviously, we're going to try to address other issues that are related to all things financial in future podcasts. I really appreciate the time that you all have invested in with the negotiating committee and the time that you've taken to sit with me here today. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dewey. Thanks, Dewey. Thanks for joining us on The Flight Deck, a leading-edge podcast. You can help us out by sharing these podcasts with other United pilots and by leaving a review. Look for more of these podcasts in the near future. See you next time.